This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny Kaye, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. This is Denny. Steve, once again, is incognito, but rest assured, I got a badass group here. I got Luke, I got John Wellborn, and I have Callie, correct? Sure, yeah. Yeah, you got Callie, and technically Chelsea's here, Ben's here, John's in the other office. I'm here. John's here, and then... Uh, Hold on, let me do my camera. And then our boy, <laughs> our boy uh, Ryan Burnell is here from Australia, too. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, we got a special guest, but before I get to to get to the guest, um, Luke, any any updates coming out of Power Athlete headquarters? We uh, got a lot of stuff going on here. We have Power Athlete Team Series going on in Katy, Texas, in a few weeks. A lot of irons in the fire. Uh, Callie's going to be there with Tex, and uh, we're going to see some people throw some weight around down in America's biggest country. And uh, we got two grand on the on the block for someone to take home, as well as a set of power athlete bumper plates. We are going to be at the CrossFit Games. We're going to have a booth at the games. That's going to be killer. We're going to have the whole staff out there. Uh, and we're we have be some, running a spelling bee. We're going to. Ju- we have some sort of secret event out there. It's either going to be a I'm spelling, going spelling bee, bee, poetry slam, poetry slam session, or what am I milking? <laughs> so it's one or some sort of feat of athleticism, but we're going to have a booth there. It's going to be awesome, just like regionals was. Uh, we were also thinking of having like best body contests. So we were thinking like pose down, like let me see your best poses. And then burrito eating contests. Yeah, burrito eating contests. Lots of ideas over here. We're idea people, but we'll see. A lot what... of irons to fire, a lot <laughs> of things a lot of happening. <laughs> hey, you can have results and excuses in both. But uh, no, we're, we're excited for the games. We're, we got our booth all set up. Uh, we've got a ton of new gear coming in next week. Chelsea's running our store. She's going to be overloaded with like thousands of t-shirts just piled in uh, the warehouse. She doesn't like email. What about uh, the Hurley shorts? Dude, the, it's all Hurley. It's their busy season. So those things, they'll get 10,000 pairs in and they go to their distributors literally in a weekend. So you have nothing. Right now, if I were to order a pair of Hurley shorts, either one, the solid black or the the shorter one with the white stripes, I, I, I'd i go, it's on back order? No, you could order a pair, but they'd be 40s. And Chelsea has to make them by hand. Yeah. And, and her hands are bleeding. <laughs> we only have a pair of 40s and a pair of 38s, I think. Yeah. And that's it. So, uh... Denny, you're gonna have oh. to you're gonna have to get back on the milk. <laughs> get back on the milk, right? Well, I don't want to give myself cancer, man. <laughs> don't I mean, we all? Oh freaking God. out. But uh, so, uh, and then yeah, we're training hard over here, uh, Power Athlete HQ, just day in day out. And then that's basically what we got going on. And then certs. I mean, I'm telling you, the certs get better every week. We're just we practice all day and all night here, and John take, gives us a lashing if we stutter. So we got well, you, on the, the one I was at, you rocked, man. Oh, I mean, I was just blown away. Appreciate it. And I'm curious to see, like, Callie, um, I want to go to a server where she's, like, involved in that and um, kind of see, like, the direction she takes it. Apple bottom yeah. jeans. What's <laughs> awkward is Callie wears cut off apple bottom jeans when she uh, does her squat demos. So it's nice. I feel like any seminar really requires a good costume change, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I equate it to watching two trains about to collide. <laughs> I'm just going to see like two puppies fighting under a blanket, but I like two trains better. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, neither do I. Neither. Oh. But uh, <laughs> all right, enough about us and enough of our channel, yeah, dude. Let's, uh, let's do our guests, man. Can't keep the man waiting. <laughs> let's do it. We got uh, Bobby Goodfellow, right? That's right. Ex-training partner uh, with Cali, uh, current competitive jujitsu MMA fighter, uh, and you rip shit in half, right? I do. <laughs> uh, Bobby, just go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, your background. Sure, sure. Um, well, thanks for the kind introduction. Um, an old friend and training partner, like you said, of Cali's from here in D.C. Um, I come from a powerlifting background and uh, just a lifting for sports performance background. And I, uh, after playing Super League Rugby, got into uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Nogi Grappling. And I've been competing uh, locally here in the Mid-Atlantic for uh, about a year or two now doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And it's been a uh, a lot of fun. So going with the power athlete theme of what do you train for, uh, Bobby Goodfellow, what do you what are you currently training for? I train for increased sports performance in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and no gi grappling. Awesome. Awesome. As far as strength training in because uh, you know, I'll admit I haven't been uh, up to date with the UFCs. Uh, back when I watched them the most, I was really a big fan of like Rich Franklin and Matt Hughes, right? The kind of middle of the 2000s. Sure. And of course, you'd always see, you know, before the fight, they would kind of go, they do like the prime time and you can get a little bit of, uh, you, could, you could see them training. And Matt Hughes and those guys kind of down at Militich, they were, they seemed to incorporate a lot of like of the strength work and, you know, sandbags and just throwing. Uh, currently, it seems like MMA training is kind of endurance, you know, and I get I get it. If you're going to, you know, grapple for 25 minutes, you better have some conditioning. But am I wrong to think that strength really isn't prioritized on the current circuit? Or well I would say that there's definitely a lack of focus in the pure strength department when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and MMA and no-gi grappling, simply because there's a huge focus on the skill and the technique involved, and I think some of the strength tends to go by the wayside. You know, when you look at the birth of modern Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, Helio Gracie was 135 pounds. His deal was... You learn the skill, you learn the techniques, and you can really have your way with a bigger, stronger attacker. But in modern jiu-jitsu, more of competition focus, you really see the top-level guys who come out. They're the people that have the really well-thought-out strength and conditioning programs because, you know, the benefits of being strong are pretty easy to see, you know. You can finish the submission faster or you can deal with an attacking opponent um, by handling them or manipulating them because you're physically stronger than them, you know, the benefits are pretty clear. And as far as uh, the conditioning aspect of, of let's just go with like your training, how, uh, 
what does your training system kind of look like? Just real general. Um, real general, I try to sling weights around a um, few days a week, and all of my conditioning work comes from either heavy loaded short metcons, you know, things like airdyne intervals, um, just focusing on time under tension, and I include all the mat time that I have from grappling five to six sometimes seven days a week. And I just include that in um, as part of my cardio component. Nice. Nice. Uh, we talked a little bit off the air about uh, the odd object lifting. Um, that's There's a place for that in the, in the power athlete program. I know at like our gym, you know, we got the stones and logs and the heavy sandbags and um, it, you were talking about some fire hydrants, right? Yeah, so I um, like to tell the nation a little, you know, the 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 training, what the training looks like uh, when you involve fire hydrants. Well, you know, fire hydrants are just big, awkward, really heavy cast iron nightmares to try to pick up off the ground. So you know, they range anywhere from just under three hundred pounds to extremely heavy, insane to try to even pick up, and they have. You know, the nozzle inputs and the caps are extremely heavy and they're in weird places. So they want to rotate very strangely as you try to pick them up off the ground. So when you get in a position where if you ever get it into a position where you can try to pick up a fire hydrant to find somebody or train with people that have them laying around, it's a different experience, you know, and it's a lot different than lifting an Atlas stone or lifting a sandbag or lifting a slosh pipe or anything that kind of moves around on you. But, you know, I think that that really prepares you in a way for actual combat with someone where you're trying to manipulate a moving body who's trying to do you harm, you know, Right, it's not fire. perfectly balanced. Exactly. The fire hydrant moves, the human body moves in strange ways, so, you know, they're pretty parallel, and I think that they're very applicable, especially in grappling. So are we talking, like, cleans? Fire hydrant clean to shoulder? We talking picking up and carrying, and what... I'm, I'm trying to get, like, a visual of... Yeah, and most of them are too heavy to clean, and you wouldn't want that thing to rotate yeah. and in the mouth. I know. When I said that, I was like, well, that sounds freaking stupid. You're, you're not going to clean it to your shoulder. Yeah, but usually if you can lap it and get it up and kind of continental it to your shoulder and then move around with it under tension, you know, time under tension is really important. So that's usually what the training would consist of. And do you just go rip one out of the street? Is that how you do it? Do you just go rip No, you know, like the, the guys that I used to train with who had access to them, they went to – like the Department of Public Works grounds where they keep all of their storage stuff or they fix their trucks and any broken fire hydrant or an old fire hydrant that would need to be replaced, they would go there and ask them for them. That and these people, okay. they would just freely give them away. They'd be like, yeah, we don't need this broken 300-pound piece of cast iron. Please take it out of our yard. That sounds a lot less exciting than what I was picturing. I was picturing like Project Mayhem. <laughs> like people just yeah. coming back with a whole bunch of fire hydrants. Just get them any way you can. Hey, Luke, guess how much a fire hydrant costs. How much does it cost? How much it costs. I had to do a little research when I heard about this. I was like, ooh, I better kind of get some info on the, on fire hydrants. But you know how much the average one costs? I grew up watching Prices Right, and I will go with $800. Close. Two grand. <laughs> Not even close Not at all. Close. <laughs> <laughs> when I, as I was saying that, I, I, was, I felt like... 
the the big surprise would be if I said it was like ten grand, yeah. right? So that, that's what I was going for with your close one, eight hundred. But that's 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 what the city pays to replace one. Is what you're getting at, Denny? Yeah. Or well, they probably mark it up, right? If the you overheads. bump into one or damage one, they they probably send you a bill that's double that. I mean, that's that's how it works. Well, I guess Bobby, what you need to start doing is start a business to resell reconditioned fire hydrants. You're all gonna get rich. That's your get rich quick scheme. Fix fire hydrants. I'm telling you, one day we're gonna get some sort of get into some sort of market, and people are gonna visit powerathletehq.com or CrossFit Football, and it's just gonna be a big old sign that says "Gone Fishing" because we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna sell some fire hydrants, and it's over. Shops closed, kids. Those are gonna be the days. Fire hydrant resellers. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, Bobby, I gotta ask. Um, What's the deal with with Callie's hands and, and getting cancer with using super glue? Well, they're hooves. That's Luke, by the well, way. They're hooves? I don't know about this whole cancer thing, but uh, I think the whole story comes from when Callie and I were training together. Her hands were all busted up. Calluses were ripped off, and I just pulled out some super glue and super glued them back together for her. And... That I've been using that for years, and it. I think when I was, I first came across that technique when I was training strongman, and my buddy tore a chunk of skin off of his hand doing really heavy farmers, and it was real nasty. Just cleaned it out, and he super glued it shut, and I've had a tube of super glue in my gym bag ever since. It's true. He took my little paw, and he just <laughs> he just nursed me back to health. <laughs> So he glued his hands together, like clapping, glued them together? Yeah, yeah so my hands, my right was actually glued to my left hand. So it was, it was offered to lift weights after that, but they sure healed. So, Callie, that's the first time that anybody's ever, you've ever heard or seen uh, super glue as, like, uh, instead of stitches. Yeah, and actually, like, <laughs> stitches. Well, I mean, I, uh... But he's right. My hands did get pretty busted up when I first started crossfitting and doing a lot of barbell work. But, um, you know, I people were telling me like, oh, well, you're going to, you know, you're not going to be able to lift weights for like two weeks. And Bobby's like, no, no way. He brought me to his locker. He pulled out the super glue and he told me exactly how to do it, how to clean your hands, make sure it's dry. And then like how to super glue like literally on the wound and like make sure that you try to like super glue the skin back over. Um, and I have been using that method ever since. My hands aren't as, uh, as torn up as they used to be, but I always tell people to use that method. And I jokingly say that you'll get cancer from it, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, nobody knows. It's, uh, we'll see in like 20 years. But but um, it, the method worked great, and I could continue lifting throughout the week like the next day. So I am actually pretty grateful for learning that from him. Well, isn't that what new skin is? Isn't new skin just super glue with some sort of doctor stuff in there <laughs> new skin do they still even sell that the- oh yeah dude that's that's my go-to i just slop new skin all over that shit but no, yeah, i think the super glue super- works great especially if you you know if you have a skin tear where the skin is still intact you just super glue the skin back down that way you don't develop a blister where you have that very fresh skin from underneath you super glue the callus right back on bing bang boom you're done bing bang boom bing bang boom they like so, this. Bobby, yeah. uh, when, you know, I Googled your name and uh, saw some of the videos and uh, you do, it looks like you do like a lot of grip training, right? I do, yeah. 
and I can imagine, I mean, grabbing dudes and just submitting them. Uh, any other, any other reasons why the, the, the importance to the grip other than, you know, what you can do in the cage? Well, I mean, absolutely. You know, any time you use your hands in sport, whether you're, you know, swinging a baseball bat or, you know, blocking or catching a ball or punching someone or using their gi to choke them out, you know, your hands are the end of the kinetic chain. So if you have strong lower arms, you know, wrists, hands, thumbs, all of that is included, you know, you're really going to be stable. You're going to be able to transfer power more efficiently. You know, you won't have as much mechanical loss in terms of if you're swinging a bat and you have weak wrists and the bat comes in contact with the ball, you might lose a little bit of the energy in your weak wrists. So, you know, it has benefits beyond just, you know, ripping license plates in half and choking people. Awesome. Awesome. I kind of like the, uh, the ripping license plates in half, man. It, it, you know, I remember back in like the seventies, all the strongman stuff, it was telephone books, you know, thousand page yellow phone or a yellow book, phone books that just rip them right in half. Now it seems like it's, it's license plates. Yeah. They're, they're uniquely difficult. So, you know, the phone book presents one set of challenges and the license plate uh, represents another set of unique challenges in terms of where you need to be strong and how you initiate um, the tear. But, yeah, I mean, people tear decks of cards in half, quarter a deck of cards, seen people tear two decks of cards in half at once. You know, it's all about applying all of that pressure to the right place. For sure. For sure. So, Luke, what uh, you want to get some to some of the questions? Uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead. Let's barrel through these and and see what type of advice we can give. These are some ones not so tricky. One's kind of tricky, but between our infinite wisdom, the trifecta of brilliance, me, Bobby, and you, Denny, let's do it. All right. Well, let's start with with not so tricky. Okay. Uh, Josh Webb emailed in and he says fellas fellows three to four times a year i'm having to travel for work and play a lot of these trips take me to the middle of nowhere places like rural uganda um middle of nowhere in eastern europe and fly in fly out communities in canada the trips usually last two weeks and very very rarely do I have access to anything that resembles a gym. I'm curious to see what you might suggest to use as a weekly template based on body weight for SWAD and DWAD to minimize any losses for a CrossFit football follower at any level. Um, then he just kind of gives, you know, he's 31, uh, 220, and 6'2". So you travel a lot, Luke. Sure. Um, you probably got some suggestions for the guy. Well, here's the deal. and I, I just want to go through. Uh, uh, he likes to be big and strong, powerful athlete, no particular sport commitments, but enjoys the dynamics of CrossFit football and the ability to lift things up and put them down. So here's my deal. I'm seeing roughly maybe six to eight weeks out of a whole year this guy doesn't get to train, which 
that doesn't off. yeah that doesn't seem like a lot to me. But if he needs to train on any of this stuff, uh, the best thing I'd say that your best bet in terms of minimizing any sort of detraining would be some interval sprinting. Just maybe three days a week of interval sprinting, hills, uh, overspeed training on declines, any sort of decline you'd want to do on overspeed training, you want to try and keep that about a three degree, uh, three degree grade. That's the overspeed stuff. But then of varying distances, 40s, 50s, 60s, 100s, 150s maybe, and try to find some sort of plow routine too. Like those, that's the only thing I could think of. Like if you're in a field in the Serengeti, I don't know. That's you can get that stuff done. Uh, find a log, lift it up, throw it around. Use some. I mean, Bobby, I'm sure you could like karate chop a tree down and lift and palm it. I don't know. Like what, what other <laughs> kind of stuff can you do? Yeah, I would have suggested the same thing. You know, um, interval sprinting for sure. Push ups, air squats. You know, I know you're not going to get super strong doing that stuff. Find a rock, do some presses. You know, it's it's your playground out there. Yeah. And it doesn't – I mean it doesn't have to be a lot. And think about this. He's If he's traveling for work and for play, like, dude, have a good time. This is, this falls under the umbrella of the whole program. Don't be weird. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> don't sacrifice your vacation to get your training. But I know that it, it keeps a lot of people grounded. Uh, I know when we just recently traveled to Australia a few months ago, I think we did a podcast shortly after. But as soon as Ben and I landed, like – we just got in and we squatted. We squatted and did whatever we could, but we also had a gym at our disposal. But just just kind of to keep us sane and to try and minimize the stress of, of the actual travel. But uh, – and, and then I don't know what – and something else to think about when traveling is if you're traveling to different time zones and the stress of legitimately tra- like traveling, it does elevate cortisol levels. So the last – I don't want to say the last thing you should do because there's a lot of th- things you shouldn't do. But in terms of training, like extended Metcons, let's say he's going to do like the classic – what is it? Like five rounds, 400-meter runs, 50 air squats. Isn't that like a, one of the travel wads they have, Kelly? Yeah, yeah. Like that, that to me seems like a little too much volume. But the interval stuff, rest is needed. Do some intensity sprints, some intensity plyo stuff, and and I think that'd be a great way to do it. And and I don't, I mean, I'm trying to imagine places like rural Uganda. Why doesn't he just stop by CrossFit Uganda? Yeah, like, pay the drop in and just <laughs> buy the shirt. Yeah. That's how it works. Uh, middle of nowhere, Eastern Europe, fly in, fly out communities in Canada. Like, yeah, you know, think of it like play. Don't think of it like training, but. Uh, that that should mitigate a lot of the detraining stuff. And at the end of the day, like if, if you're talking about your power lifts, you have to power lift to keep that stuff going. But this will help mitigate any sort of losses. For sure, for sure. All right. Well, let's. Hopefully, that will help you out there, Josh. Um. All right. Now to the to the not so easy. Uh, this was actually a, a comment to. The comment section in Power Athlete episode 14, Power Athlete Radio 14, uh, it's the handle is bet question for Power Athlete HQ. Uh, okay, a guy from my old unit just got out and moved to the same town that I've been living in for the last two years. He's a double above the knee amputee from an IED in Afghanistan. I spoke with him today, and he would like to resume training again. His goals are to put on some muscle mass, get as strong as possible, and to keep what he has from breaking down on him. 
Uh, he only has one part of one femur, and sitting unbalanced all day causes him quite a lot of back pain. And to add structure and challenge into his daily life to help keep him motivated. Uh, I personally have been following CrossFit football for a few years now, and I understand that the primary focus of the program is an improving athletic performance. But I thought I'd ask you guys what your advice would be on training someone in his situation. Um, for example, is there a specific way in which you would modify the power athlete template to work around his injuries, or would you recommend him pursuing another program? Um, first of all, tell your friend that uh, I personally thank him for his service. Yeah, right on, dude. And uh, hang in there, dude. You, you got the right mindset. Uh, you know, we got the power athlete gurus here that can hopefully kind of steer you in the right direction and get you started. So, Luke, off the top of your head, you something come to mind to help this guy? Well, let's talk about the power athlete template. It, the template consists of balancing volume intensity along the primal movement patterns. Obviously, the lower primal movement patterns, the lunges, the squats, and the step-ups are completely out of question. You know, th that goes without saying. I would hope or I would assume that this guy's shoulder girdle is relatively intact where you could figure out a way to work some push-pull variations. Uh, on top of that, if we want to add some sort of conditioning, uh, you know, there are some options in terms of like battle ropes or sled drags and and just off the top of my head, that's that's what I'm thinking of. Callie, anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of to touch on what Luke said, yeah, you can still, obviously the presses are all good, making sure we're getting the three-to-one push-pull ratio, you can still kind of incorporate that. And um, incorporating swimming as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's going to be a great way for him to condition and uh, have him doing intervals of like treading water or swimming if he's, uh, you know, if he knows how to swim. Those are also awesome things that you can't uh, rule out. But that, you know, and what's tricky too is like this is a classic, I mean, this is like a N equals one deal. So th sure, there, this trauma happens to multiple, you know, multiple individuals and they continue to train. We see a lot of success stories, um, but we'd have to see, you know, what components work. There may be some option for to keep the hip girdle intact and keep it strengthened through some of the manual resistance stuff. Uh, maybe we could still elicit some some ABA deduction with with bands, with, again, manual resistance, which we cover in depth at the CERT, how that whole thing works. But I'd ha we'd have to do an assessment. You know, we'd have to see where this guy is at. It sounds like he has the mental fortitude, but sometimes you can, uh, I guess, out-tough out tough the training results you know it's mental toughness is one component but you also got to be smart in this situation as well but uh i don't know bobby you got any ideas no i think what you guys said it was it would be exactly what i would do um if possible you know brace torso one arm sled drags uh power rope variations for some cardio work press um, core work, including the lower back for sure, and upper back work with a lot of uh, band variations, you know, pull-aparts, face pulls, external rotation stuff to get engaged there. And when you when you evaluate CrossFit as, as the training system, it's constantly varied functional movements formed at high intensity, right? And this constantly varied thing does have merit. We do know if you change training stimulus over 
uh, let's say after an extended period of training and you change the stimulus, it will continue to drive adaptation. And that you need to vary that. But when you're in a scenario like this, you're ultimately, you know, you're limited to your own experience and you're limited to your own creativity. And the training might not be as varied as you could do with an athlete who's completely capable. But that's not to say the training won't work, you know. Uh, just get them in there. And we, I think we talked about it a couple episodes and it's kind of, it's one of our new mantras here. Get them in there and move the dirt, you know. Get them, get them pulling, get them pushing, get them stronger. And, and dude, it, it'll come, you know, it'll come. Absolutely. For sure. Um, so hopefully a uh, question for a bet that'll, that'll help you out. Um, you know, you could always, <laughs> hold on for a second. <laughs> You're being ambushed by little ones. Being ambushed by little ones. Yeah. You could always definitely, uh, take a video of, of maybe some general like movements and submit it to the power athlete, um, contact section. And maybe even one of these guys that they or the, um, have time from their schedule, you know, they could take a look at it and help you further, but I uh, hope that's enough to kind of, you know, help your buddy out and get him going in the right direction. And when this, and when this comment hit the boards, John and I talked at length about it and how to address it. And it's just, it's tricky because, we, we'd have to do we would have to do an assessment we're making assumptions uh, the biggest thing is you have to make sure the athlete can get into position and can maintain position through any of these movements so you may need to figure out how to anchor them mobility stability yeah you, you have to work you have to make sure mobility the stability is there the mobility is there uh, like there has to there may have to be a progression like you may have to build some stuff through this through this catastrophic injury you have to rebuild before you even get to the the intensity push and pulls, you know? Um, so take that into consideration as well. Uh, but, you know, whatever we could do to help the situation, we'd love to hear back on, on whether or not this is practical for for you or, uh, you know, if it, if it does work or what the situation is, we'd be willing to help out. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Uh, where's the uh, next Power Athlete Team Series in, in Texas, right? Yeah, buddy. Katy, Texas, just outside Houston. Uh, it's going to be July 20th. Nice. Any uh, same deal, right? Prowler, the, you're going to, second place team's going to get a, uh, take home a Prowler. If we First can, place yeah. gets the money, the plates, the swag. Correct. We're just trying to make sure we can get the Power Athlete logo onto the new Prowler. Um, once I can, once I confirm that, I'll throw it up on Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff to confirm that we uh, we got the Power Athlete logo on there, so that it's um, you know kind of cohesive with the Power Athlete bumper plates and everything. And uh, yeah, we'd love to be able to give that as a second place prize as well. Cool, cool. Um, I think we're out of time, guys. Any any closing thoughts? Well, dude, Denny. Uh... You told me at the cert that you had a story on a recap with the team series in Lyle that you wanted to share with Callie. What was that? <laughs> uh, Why am I nervous? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what story we we're talking about. Um, are we talking about the looks department? I don't know. Maybe that was it. Maybe you have a bone <laughs> to pick. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I kind of touched on it a little bit in the... We did a uh, well, Power Athlete Nation. We did a podcast from the last cert. Uh, it'll be 
put out to the public soon. Yeah, tonight. But on that, I kind of touched upon this, but but I was at the Lyle Pat series, okay, and Playtech was in Atlanta, so Callie has met Steve and I in person in the flesh, and I had to ask her who she thought was the better looking man. <laughs> You you know you guys are equally attractive in my eyes. You know, <laughs> is that what she said in love? <laughs> she kind of went towards the towards uh, booty, Professor, Professor Booty. booty. So, <laughs> you know, I now what I like to think is that was right before I was going to go do my lift. Um, I ended up deadlifting. All right, because our I know I was saying I was going to squat or bench, but our deadlifter hurt his back. Uh, like just a few days before the event. And like I've been saying, you know, I've, my training's been going like I would have PR'd in any lift. And so I was like, well, all right, I'll, you know, I'll go in there and, and uh, I'll deadlift. He ended up benching. Uh, but it was just before my deadlift, right? I wanted to open at 500 pounds. And I think Kelly purposely told me that just so I would kind of, you know, have a little bit of, uh, anger to go and complete this lift because I know deep down I could tell by the the look in her eyes that <laughs> that maybe I'm the more attractive looking one. Uh, but you know I, I think you helped me with my lift. That's my point. Yeah, you know yeah. I'm, I'm pretty. It helped me get through it. Um, I, I stood up with it. I actually jumped up another five pounds and I. I think your plan worked, Callie. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, every everybody heard you shout too at the top of your lift. You were like, "Take that, Professor Booty!" And uh, yeah, you were you're clearly fueled by my uh, motivating words. So good, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. awesome. Um, you know, that's probably the one story, right, Luke? Uh, some of those other ones we probably don't want to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sure, and you know. Callie's attracted to to letters behind the name. So just the fact that Booty has a PhD, Denny, you know, guys like you and me, we're never we don't have a chance. <laughs> Can't hang with that. All we have is L V one. Level uh, one. Yeah, totally. No. <laughs> no, you guys uh you you guys are equally attractive in my eyes, so you know, just just keep just keep doing what you're doing. The strength is really what gets girls going, so there you go. There you have it, Power Athlete Nation. <laughs> but uh, let's see. I think that's that's all I got, dude. Uh, I want to thank Bobby for coming on. Bobby, you got anything else? Didn't you just win a gold medal? I did, yeah. I just uh, took first place at the 100th U.S. Grappling Tournament in Richmond this past weekend. So uh, it was a good time. So Bobby's kind of a big deal, people. Mm-hmm. Not a big Google, deal. Google this man's name. You'll, you'll see some good <laughs> videos. Well, dude, I'll show. I'll put them in the show notes. We'll get some awesome videos of Bobby in like a speedo ripping apart uh, a tree trunk. <laughs> That's how yeah. we roll, right? I just want to say thanks for having me. It's been fun. Hopefully, uh, had some good contributions for you guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, dude. Another Denny, another one in the books, dude. Sweet. Thanks a lot, Bobby. Bye, Callie. Bye, Luke. Bye. Bye. See you guys. Cheers, guys. Bye. <laughs>